Isaiah 12:2 says, "Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation." Welcome to the heart of Jesus. We've come here today to trust Jesus to believe him no matter what we're going through, to cast out all fear, that he would give us the strength for the journey and become our salvation. Please turn with me to Mark chapter 5, starting with verse 21. And Jesus, having crossed over in the boat again to the other side, A great multitude was gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And look, one of the rulers of the synagogue comes, Jairus by name. And having seen him, he falls at his feet. And he's calling on him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death, so that after having come, you may lay hands on her, that she may be healed and will live. And he went with him, and a great multitude was following along. And they were pressing on him. Verse 35, while he was still speaking to the crowd, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying, your daughter died. Why still trouble the teacher? But immediately, Jesus, having heard the word being spoken, he says to the ruler of the synagogue, be not afraid, only believe. And he did not permit anyone to follow with him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And he comes into the house of the ruler of the synagogue and observes the commotion, weeping and loud wailing. And having entered, he says to them, why are you troubled and weep? The child did not die, but sleeps. They were ridiculing him. But after having sent everyone out, he takes the father and the mother of the child and the ones with him, and enters in where the child was lying. And having taken the hand of the child, he says to her, Talitha kumi, which is being translated, Little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the little girl arose, and she was walking around. Now she was twelve years old. And they were amazed with a great amazement. But he gave them strict orders that no one may know this. And he said to give her something to eat. Jesus said, do not be afraid. Only believe. So right there, he's directly connecting fear with unbelief. So in Jairus' case, he said that to him because he was the plan of God was to bring his little girl back to life. But right now, today, as Jesus says to each one of us, do not be afraid, only believe. What does that mean? Believe what? Jesus is saying, believe what I've said to you. Believe my word. Believe in me. Believe that I came to save you. 
believe that you can trust me, that you can put your full confidence in me. So just for a moment, if you're just to think about if you're angry or struggling with anger and bitterness, that's a mask for fear. If you're walking in depression and anxiety, right underneath that is fear. If you're clinging to control because that's what makes you feel safe, the root of that, right underneath that, is fear. If you find yourself complaining and grumbling, once again, right under that is fear. Being confident in Jesus is a choice. It's a decision that we must make. We have the choice to allow the fear to neutralize your faith, your belief in Jesus. Or we can make the decision, you today can make the decision to stand so firm in Jesus that your confidence, that your faith will neutralize all fear. Isaiah 7 says, if you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. So today, you can make the decision, no matter what you were doing right before you got here, no matter what happened yesterday, no matter what your circumstances are, to truly believe Jesus, not just profess that you do, but through your actions, believe Jesus and what he's promised you. Cling to his word. Remember how time after time after time he's rescued you and how faithful he is. And if you happen to not have much experience with that today and you've just begun your journey or you're right on the edge of making that decision, know that you're here Because Jesus is in the midst of rescuing you. So will you allow Jesus to fully take over? Will you allow his kingdom authority to be over your life? And his purpose and his plan to be fulfilled. For this to happen, we must cast out all fear. Believe Jesus. And he will bring the victory. His divine peace and joy and love will be so evident and so strong that no matter what you're going through, it just won't matter. Because remember, Jesus, it was Jesus who said, Do not be afraid. Only believe me. Welcome to the National Prayer Chapel. The message today is entitled, A Letter from God. 
a letter from God. Let's pray. Lord, I ask that your spirit would come and quicken our hearts and open our minds, that you could begin to instruct us, that you could begin to correct us. Lord, thank you. I pray in your holy name. Amen. We're in trouble. We've seen in the last week the vilest of behavior in our nation's capital. We've watched as the murder of babies in the womb has been lifted up as a virtue. We've watched as every perversion of the flesh has been lifted up and honored as something good. We have watched in the last years as our nation has spiraled down in the most vile manner. We have watched Sodom and Gomorrah produce all of their movies and their entertainment that has filled this nation with wickedness and eroded godliness. The norm in our nation has become perversion. And we as a Christian church in America have believed that that tolerance was the path we should take and we should just love. Tolerance is not love. Tolerance is not love. Love is lifting up a standard of behavior and righteousness. One of the hardest things I have to do for this church is to rebuke and say, we're not going to behave that way here. Let's get the music right. Let's get the service in order. Let's not wander around like we're free to do whatever we want to do, because we're not. We're in the presence of Jesus, and we need to begin to understand as Christians that when we come into the presence of Jesus in a corporate sense, there is a sense of awe and fear of sin that should be in our hearts. We don't just laze in. We lift up Jesus Christ. And I'm so proud of the people who've spoken today, of Catherine, of Sam, of others, who have honestly stepped forward and said, Jesus rules, and I am submitted to Jesus, and I will believe, and I will not turn aside from that. There has come into the Christian church a tolerance for wickedness and for casualness, so that people think they can blow in and blow out and go here and go there, and they've got their full schedule, and mixed into that full schedule are a few things about Jesus. It's time to throw the schedule out. 
and get right with Jesus. I want to read something for you that that shocked me, and I have read this message to the Laodicea church so many times, but I never saw this before. It's Revelation, the third chapter. You must write to the angel of the church at Laodicea. Angel simply meaning messenger. Can I put it another way? Pastor. This is a letter to the pastor of the church at Laodicea. And New Testament scholars, almost among conservatives, agree that the messages to the seven churches all apply to all the ages of history, but that they also represent very specific time periods. And that this message to the Laodicea church is the last day message to the final church before Jesus comes. The writer of this letter is immediately identified as the Amen the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. We know that's Jesus. And it opens with, I know your works. It does not say, I know your feelings. It does not say, I know what your plans are. It says, I know your works. In other words, I know what you do. And what you do tells me that you're not cold or hot. That what you do is live your life as a wonderful American, full of all the opportunities of America and all the busyness of Americans. And mixed into all of that is a little bit of Christian a little bit of church. I can remember as a child, two services on the weekend, often three or four services during the week, and we were always there. Prayer meeting was the best attended meeting in the church. The church would fill up for prayer meeting. People were sincere about their need to pray. We've drifted a long ways from this. How many of you would gather, and don't raise your hand, like I had to be afraid you would, how many of you would gather three or four times a week to pray? Some of you would, most of you would not. Why? Because we're too busy. We have too many obligations. We have things we have to do. But do those things that you have to do, will those things bring you into heaven? Will they bring your family into heaven? Or are they just things you have to do to maintain your lifestyle? Things you have to do to provide for your family. What I want to provide for my family 
is entrance into the kingdom of God. I want to provide a way, a bridge, by the blood of Jesus Christ for salvation. For what will all of this mean if we forfeit our souls? What does all of this mean if we are in the end lost because we're too proud, too arrogant, too self-centered, in love with our own ideas? What will that provide for us in the end if we have neglected the most sincere part of what God has called us to, to love one another, to serve one another, but to love the Lord God with all of our heart, mind, and soul. So, you know, I can get really upset, and I was, and I am, about what happened in D.C. I'm a lot more upset about what's happening in the Christian church in America. That's where my real upset is. It's where I'm grieved. There has to come a change in what we do. It's not what we think. It's what we do. It's not what we feel. It's what we do. So if you were to look at your schedule, you were to write down everything you do in a week's time. How much of that would you identify as being done to the glory of God and for the service of the kingdom of heaven? How many of you are going to work to earn money? You understand Christians do not go to work to earn money. You should be able to say, I would do the same thing if they didn't pay me. And God provided for me another way. Why? Because you are on assignment from God in that place. It's where he's placed you to testify and to witness that Jesus is Lord. Your job is is used by God to provide for your family. But what if your job becomes, becomes your God? And it fills your ego. And it fills your pride. Then what have we been doing? This message to the Laodicea church begins with, I know your works. You're not cold and you're not hot. In other words, you're you're not bad enough to go to hell and you're not good enough to go to heaven. Where does that leave you? I would that you were cold or hot. Jesus is more pleased with these wicked people who came on the mall yesterday than he is with the lukewarm church who plays at being Christian but never lays down their life. Because at least these pagan people know they're pagan people. They know they're wicked. They don't pretend they're righteous. They don't play church. 
Or what he wants is for us to be hot, on fire. Not caught in the snare of this culture. Not caught in the snare of this world. But absolutely committed to following Jesus Christ. So he says, because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold. Now wait a minute. He is speaking to his church. He's not speaking to the pagans. He's saying, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. And literally, in the Greek, I'm about to vomit you. You make me sick to my stomach. You know what? I do not want to make Jesus sick to his stomach. The only way I can not make him sick to his stomach with me is to look very carefully at what I'm doing on a day-by-day basis and be led by the Spirit in what I do so that there's no compromise with darkness. I'm not going along to get along with wickedness. I'm not fighting. I'm not bitter. I'm not complaining. I'm not grumbling. I've come through in victory in Jesus Christ, and I'm walking boldly as a testimony. Now, please, can I just be very personal a minute? Is your life a testimony of righteousness by what you do? Or do you have bitterness in your heart toward another? Is there anger? Are you full of yourself and full of what you want to do and what you want to achieve and the goals you have, financial goals? Is that what your heart's about? Because you say, I'm rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. You see, he's going to talk in this passage about two separate realities. One is the reality of the physical realm, where we have food to eat, shelter, an automobile to drive. And then he talks about the spirit realm. We're accustomed to making sure the physical realm is set up. Make sure our car runs, make sure we pay the bills, make sure we're doing what we believe we're supposed to do. But it's in all of that doing in the physical realm that the spirit realm in our hearts is decimated. And that's where we have to begin to really focus and say, okay, what are the behavioral changes I need to make to change how I'm living my life to reflect Jesus Christ in this wicked culture? Now he says in verse 19, All those whom I may love, I convict 
and instruct. The Lord wants to do two things in our hearts today. He wants to bring conviction, and he wants to bring instruction. And most of us want to push away the conviction and not listen to instruction because we're proud. This passage is very troubling for me. This whole passage, this whole letter, breaks my heart. I feel like I've been struggling all of my life to try to begin to understand how to walk with Jesus with integrity. How to order my day in a way that it is not self-centered, but is centered in Jesus. How to speak to people in a way that their heart is drawn to Jesus. How to love people in a way that they know the peace of Jesus is resting in my heart. And sometimes we get caught in detours. And we find ourselves chasing after something that we would like. And it takes us far away from intimacy with Jesus. We've got to quickly identify those and quickly turn back to Jesus and let him be everything for our hearts. What I really like about this letter is that it's to the church at Laodicea. It's not to the church in the world. We are a church. We've gathered in the name of Jesus. We are the church. What part of the life of this church do you function in? Are you fulfilling in this church what God called you to fulfill? Or are you self-absorbed to a point you only come to get some inspiration and you only come when you can? Someone texted me and said, I don't feel very well today. I won't be there, Pastor. I texted them back and I said, Will you find healing staying at home? Or will you find healing in the house of God where we pray for one another? Well, I'll try to come. I text back. I said, please do not try to come. Either come or don't come. All right. All right, Pastor. I'll try to come. No, I texted back. 
Are you going to trust Jesus or not? Please, come on. What are we doing here? I don't feel so good today. So I don't think I'll go to church. Like at some social event. Are you kidding me? This is where we gather in the name of Jesus. This is where we pray for one another. This is where we trust Jesus. We believe in him. I'm not going to say more about this message today. Instead, I'm going to deal with it on the radio all week.